afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to another HRO Today educational podcast. I am Elliot Clark, the CEO of HRO Today. We publish HRO Today magazine, HRO Today EMEA, and HRO Today APAC. We're also the producers of the HRO Today forums held around the world and the managers of the HRO Today Association. Today's educational podcast will be about intelligence. Okay, now, I'm not necessarily qualified to speak about that because I don't have a lot, but it is available out there. So we were curious, after our top concerns of CHRO study for 2022, we saw some interesting notes. This was a global survey of over 100 CHROs from large companies. The usability of existing HR technology was a rising concern. That was a 16% concern in 2020. And to be fair, there was a pandemic in that year, but it went up to 27% in 21 and now 37%. So this is now a top concern of chief HR officers. And frankly, the usability of HR technology at the strategic level is really about the ability to get the reporting, the data, and the decision-making intelligence you need. So we thought we'd talk about that today. We have two phenomenal guests taking part in today's podcast. We have Duncan Wart, who is the Global Director of Consultancy for Resource Solutions. He's been with the company about six years and been heading this consultancy group for more than a year. And we also have Dawn Sloan, who brings the strategic into the real world. She is the Senior Vice President and Program Director for U.S. Talent Acquisition for Resource Solutions. And she's got a long and storied career, not only with Resource Solutions, but with ADECO and a couple of other very large employment and workforce services companies. So Dawn and Duncan, welcome to the podcast. Hi, great to be here. Yes, thank you, Elliot. Resource Solutions is one of the top providers of recruitment process outsourcing, uh, managed service agreements, and recently placed very highly on our total workforce solutions, Baker's Dozen. So one of the most highly rated providers in the world, your division of Robert Walters of the Resource Solutions Group, RW, has been around for well in excess of 20 years and has some of the largest and most complex global programs. So Duncan and Dawn are dealing with this reality every day. Duncan, can you give us a little context on the consultancy group and the RS Intelligence Group? Yes, gladly. So the consultancy business that we have is built off a growing demand from our clients across the US, the EMEA and the APAC region to help organizations solve some of the medium to longer term talent issues. And those issues are growing in complexity over the last four to five years. And that pace of change, that rate of change has become more evident post-pandemic, post-COVID, as the recruitment landscape has shifted to a whole new sphere. And the services we provide are there to try and help to support where we have the transactional programs, the job-filling programs of your process outsourcing and your managed service programs looking after the non-permanent workforce. But that doesn't necessarily look at how you minimize bias or maximize drive diverse hiring in an organization. It doesn't help you necessarily with the brand positioning or honing your EVP for the current marketplace or determining what good looks like through the assessment practices that you have or determining whether someone is going to be successful in your organization. And that's what the consultancy business ultimately does. And all of that is driven through or underpinned by our data and analytics tool. Data is everywhere. And RS Intelligence is the platform platform and the tools and programs that we have that supports and provides information to drive not only those service families, but 
but also the programs we have within the RPO and the MSP space. Well, let's talk a little bit about data. All right. So, Duncan, when we talk about HR decision making as business leaders, one of the biggest obstacles to the streamlined analysis that RS consultancy does is not the lack of data. There's an overwhelming preponderance of data. In fact, most HR groups are actually drowning in their data, but they have disparate systems that don't communicate. They have an inability to pull reports together without a significant number of humans in the back office combining the data. And then the ability actually have these trends in the data identified and acted upon as a problem because most of the data crunching that's done behind the scenes is in tools like Excel. So the rise of these new intelligence tools and predictive analytics products may hold an answer to helping solve the problem. How bad is the data drowning issue? And what are the options that HR leaders have to move from data to actionable intelligence? I think it's a big issue. I think now everybody knows the importance of data. There's a big organization in the UK called Experian, which actually provides credit referencing facilities, but they claim that 85% of businesses think that data is the most important asset. But there is also evidence to say that they may be losing business and maybe losing 20% or more of their revenues because the quality of that data is poor. And there is reference in many articles around this thing called the data debt. And that three quarters of businesses have this issue. The problem is that I think over time, the amount of data, the request for data has grown exponentially. And there is a big issue where those that are producing data or historically, as it's been known, management information, we've just produced more and more and more without quite often the time or the capacity to stop and take a moment and think, what am I doing with this data? Or more importantly, what questions? Is this data helping me solve? And therefore, we've got so much information at our fingertips that people don't necessarily know where to go. There's a lot of great data that's being produced, but the thing that's missing is the interpretation or the insights or the analytics that goes with it. What is it telling me? What do I do with it? And so there are, I think, a couple of problems there in that the people who create the data have a level of understanding. They have a level of knowledge and a mindset and behavior. And those that are the recipients of that data, that the understanding and the literacy and the ability to interpret that data, they're often a different skill set. So you've got two types of people within the same function who actually don't speak the same language. So you talk about Excel. Historically, it has been produced through vast spreadsheets and often a raw data dump. And the amount of investment that an organization puts into the data, the presentation of that data... Well, that's growing, but the bit that's lacking is actually what does that data tell us and the investment in the analytics and the interpretation of give me something meaning from all of these numbers, all of these trends. What's it mean for me? What should I do? How do I drive decision making? And that's where I think things are evolving very quickly. And with our RS intelligence tool, what we've done is tried to do that thinking for people. We've tried to look at what information is out there. We're aggregating lots of different sources and saying, well, no, let's present that in a way that we think makes it very clear, makes it very straightforward for an organization to be able to say, I get it. I can see what it's telling me. I can see what I need to think about and start planning for the next period of time, future focus, future priorities, but actually drive performance of might be the recruitment business. It might be the attraction strategies. It could be a whole host of things when it comes to talent, but it's making that shift from what have I got to what do I need moving forward? which is absolutely key. 
So, Duncan, how do you do this? For example, do you take the data from customers from their HRMS, their learning and management systems, their ATS, their CRM systems, their candidate systems, and you can pull it all into a tool that you use to analyze it? What are the steps that you take to actually make that a reality? Well, I will answer that question, Elliot, but I think the crux of it here goes back to something that I said, which is, well, let's make sure we're finding out what are the questions that we're trying to find answers for. So yes, we can produce ways of presenting that data. We use a data visualization tool that interprets data and puts it into a user-friendly format. And we do pull from all the sources that you mentioned. But the first thing to think about is what is it we're trying to do with it? What information are you trying to get out? And where we have developed our services has been because clients are asking more and more, what should I be thinking about? And also, what are other people doing? What's going on out there in the market? Give us the external view, the external market intelligence, as well as help us simplify the internal management reporting or MI as it used to be known. And people are looking for two different sources now to help drive both strategic and tactical decision making. So if you can find a way of getting your hands on the information, and I'd say this to a TA function, get some external data coming in, look at your internal data, and either if you are that way inclined that you are good at interpreting data and understanding what it means, or get some support in how that is shown and how that is presented, use that to drive the communication, the decisions as to where does your talent sit? What should your strategy be for addressing the talent shortages, addressing the attrition issues. Use all of that data and make sure that it's something that not only you can understand, but it could be shared more widely, whether it be upwards within the chain to be able to get authorization, investment in whatever the outcome might be, or just to take people on that journey of why we're driving a certain initiative, a certain objective, or a certain course of action. It needs to be translatable, it needs to be simple, and it needs to be something that people can utilize very easily. All right. Let me ask Dawn. Now, you're on the front line, actually. After Duncan and his team and the intelligence tools have been deployed, how often are you finding as SVP and program director that companies really do need to change the direction? If they're asking the right questions, that they're headed in a direction that they doesn't suggest once those questions are answered, Dawn. Mm-hmm. Are you finding that happens a lot? I think it does. I mean, I think I would go back to the point that Duncan made a minute ago, which is really at the start of it, understanding what are we actually trying to do with this data? What story or what unanswered question are we trying to find? And I think that's what I tend to experience on a regular basis is a need for data and ask for data, an expectation to have all the data at hand, but even with it, still not finding the solutions, not finding the problem or the magical cure. So one of the things that we've spent a lot of time doing, particularly in the last, I think, two to three years is as organizations have really struggled with just the volatility from a candidate point of view in the market. Why is my attrition spiking so high? Or why am I not landing enough hires to recover from that attrition? So it's taking the data that we have and visualizing it in a way that helps to articulate where actually, you know, in the candidate journey, is there a sudden change? What's happening at that point of that journey? And how do we then impact it positively? I think it's really being clear on what's the question behind the data that we're trying to find. And then the other piece for me that I found to be really 
important is, okay, now that we know that answer and when we've identified these trends or these opportunities, what are we actually going to do about it? And then how does the data then become our guide towards that rather than the history lesson? How do we start to use the data to drive us forward? But first and foremost, it comes back to how can we actually make the shift we need to, whether it's looking at a diversity strategy, you know, and understanding where are we not reaching the market in the right way, where are we losing the opportunity to bring talent to the organization, or it's we have candidates that we're offering and they're choosing not to start, or we're having attrition post-training, you know, looking at each of those individual components of what could come through in those data sets to understand where am I actually trying to solve rather than looking at the data to say, tell me something to do. It's more so using it to go on the hunt for a solution. That sort of feeds into the next question. Don't let me stay with you. Is once you find those answers, what are the best practices using whether the tools offered by RS or some of the other providers of technology or service? What are the best practices? And do you have a couple of high-level case studies on how they've been effectively deployed in the real world? Absolutely. From a case study standpoint, I think there's a couple of things just in the last year. You know, one in particular is in areas where traditionally in years past, recruitment has been a very easy task, so to speak, because of the nature of the roles and the opportunities for candidates in the market. But as we've seen kind of the aftermath of the great resignation and the impacts of that, many employers right now are struggling with the whole remote working opportunities that are out there and how do we remain competitive in industries where we can't actually do that. That's a significant change to our business model and that's not conducive to how we operate. So how do we actually stay ahead? So taking data and an intelligence look at where are the candidates coming from? What are the opportunities in the markets that they're sitting? How do we position our story and our opportunity for that candidate to find ours more compelling? And then also looking at at what point in the process or what point in that candidate journey do they decide they don't want to be part of the story anymore? And how do we look at specifically what's happening in that moment? How much time is it taking? What's the feedback that we're getting? And those are all points that you're inevitably are seen in the data, but it's really looking at the data with that lens of what would have been the decision or the thought process to get to that point. One of the other things that I think I personally spent a lot of time with it is back to, you know, the diversity and inclusion strategies and so much time and so much focus on these strategies and investments into partnerships and branding campaigns and how do we really bring this talent into our organization. And in some areas, you know, having some really great success. Well, why? You know, what worked really well there and looking at the data to understand know where we see candidates coming in and where we see them progressing versus where they're not. So we can have more specific conversations across our hiring communities to really understand, you know, what's influencing those numbers and what's driving those trends. And do we need to look at how we further those trends wider across the organization or learn lessons from those trends to change how we operate to create a more inclusive opportunity? I think the best practices that I have always leaned on and I think are really valuable in today's world is if the data is not giving you the view or giving you work to do off of it and it just feels more like it's just an overwhelm and it's not valuable, it's really peeling the onion back to understand, okay, well, what are the drivers in my business right now or where from an organizational standpoint are we really struggling? What data is going to help me understand why that's there? And then turning the data and kind of leveraging the analytic view of how can I position it so that it tells me where to go. It helps me find the answers to my questions. And Duncan, do you find that once you get those, are there best practices you recommend to companies when they're going into this analytical phase, even before you get to sort of the real world deployment issues that Dawn just articulated? Are there best practices that you, during the consulting and analytical phase, recommend to companies so that they're sort of receptive to the inevitable change management that comes out of, you know, more data clarity and business intelligence? Because sometimes you might find things and people will resist them, even though it's in the trend 
trend line. So how do you set up the companies during that phase to really sort of accept the coming change management issues that are going to arise yep. once you have that detail? I think what data does is it provides the, as long as there's credibility behind the sources of that data, we've all been in enough meetings where someone says, where did you get that report from or that number from? I don't believe in that number. I don't trust that data. So a lot of that is about making sure that you are credible and clear on where that data is coming from, where it pulls from, because that's the easiest and the laziest response that that someone can get. So the first thing we would say to an organization, look at the data that you've got. Let's look at where the sources of that data are, because often what people are worried about is highlighting issues or challenges where the data is not being captured, people aren't using systems properly. So you have to factor some of that in. But the first place to start is to say, well, okay, what data are you collating? Where does that pull from? And what are you trying to achieve with the information that it's providing? And it's then being clear on what your story is. Where are you trying to go? Where are you trying to drive? the conversation with that audience because it's a really powerful tool to engage people and to get them coming on that journey to get them to change behaviors and it is a big thing you know this change of behaviors you can't underestimate it because you know if you think about the HR community traditionally HR was seen as one of those softer driven skill sets if you're a recruiter historically they're salespeople now neither of those traditionally have been data mining people. And yet what we're asking of people across both functions and in the wider business units is to become data centric, to use information to affect their decisions. So I don't think we can underestimate the amount of behavioral change that it goes through. But I think a key piece here is to think, well, if we want that skill set to evolve, if we want people to be more data minded and to utilize data and trust in that story and trust in that data, then we've got to create that time. You've got to lose something somewhere because there isn't any more time in the day. One of the things that we would advise is to have a look at the platforms or the wealth of reporting that they've got. One of the things we would recommend is to run a Pareto analysis on that data and look at what you've got. And you'll probably find that you can chuck out 80% of what's there. A manager's Wednesday afternoon wish list three years ago that resulted in a report being built that was probably used once. And the following 156 reports have probably been ignored. So how much of what an organization currently has is being used and what's it for? And is it driving the outcome or is it driving any outcome at all? Is it actually have a purpose? And by clearing out a lot, you're saving time in the report production, but the expectation of the rest of the team maybe to use some of that data or reporting suite or whatever it may be. And that way you can reestablish a norm with hopefully some rich meaningful information that they'll understand how to use and you can coach and train over time to the benefit it can bring to the tasks that they're trying to perform. So it's, I think, a process, a change journey, as you alluded to, that is driven by being clear on the value that it can bring. If it's not going to add any value, get rid of it. That's my simple advice. All right. We will keep that in mind. 
People need to think about the data sources, the data quality, and also the data importance, right? Great point that you made. You know, one of the reasons organizations are drowning in data is they can't distinguish what is actionable from what is background noise. So being able to actually do that analysis is critically important. So for our audience, I hope you took some very important points about how to do the analysis of data, how to bring it into the real world, how to manage it into the programs that you're running for talent acquisition. I want to once again thank Dawn Sloan, who's the SVP and Program Director for Talent Acquisition for Resource Solutions in North America, and Duncan Ward, who is the Global Director of Consultancy for Resource Solutions. Thank you, folks, for taking part in the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Great to be here. Thank you very much. All right. And we'll have you back because this is not a simple conversation for one podcast. I'm sure we'll have you back in the future. This is Elliot Clark. I'm the CEO of HRO Today. I want to thank you for your time and attention, and we look forward to you joining our next HRO Today educational podcast. 